I'm Donna Peters, and this is season three of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. The Me Suite is a community of career-driven, life-minded professionals sharing our stories, sharing what it means to lead our lives with purpose, planning, and power. What I call leading with the Me Suite mindset. Let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, I am excited to introduce the listeners to Dan Baldor, a dear friend and a business leader who is foremost a dad and a husband. He is Cuban-American, and we're going to hear from some of his rich experiences with that heritage. He is a senior leader. I think the easiest way to describe it is if you have a really complex, hairy business problem, you want Dan to be on the problem. The messier, the better, and he will approach it with brains and a sense of serenity that I find very rare in senior leaders. Dan has an MBA in finance, and I did not know until I was studying you, Dan, that you also have an undergrad in psychology, which helps me explain an awful lot about how you approach people. So let me stop with this introduction. I want people to hear from you, and I'm really excited to have you join me in the Me Suite. This is Dan Baldor, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that wonderful introduction, Donna. Well, Dan, you know, in the Me Suite, we start with core values. Let's start there. I try to form and live my life by four key values, I'd say. Number one, faith. I think yeah. my faith is very important to me. Yeah. It guides everything that I do. Number two, family. My family, you, you mentioned my, my background. My family is from, from Cuba. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how my family really inspires me and, and is my rock yeah. in my career. Third is others. I, mm. I, I put others there. And then finally, myself. I put my, myself last. I think mm. it's important to put yourself on that list, but I, I do I live by a life of, of putting others first. Wow. So Dan, I'm going to tell you why I love this list. It so encapsulates you, number one. And number two, three of your four, I have never heard on a core values list in all of the episodes of the Me Suite. Interesting. So this is going to be fantastic. So the meat of this discussion, I thought we could start with moments that matter. And your career has been very rich and successful. Uh, your family is a very loving, close group of people uh, that makes me smile to hear the stories about them. Can we just start with what have been the moments that have mattered the most in your trajectory? Sure. So first of all, I was, um, I've been blessed to be born into a family that that highly values education. Mm. My family is, is, has a long lineage of educators, uh-huh. starting with uh, my, my father's uncle, who led and was the rector at a Jesuit high school in Cuba wow. that uh, also uh, is now here in Miami called Belen Jesuit High School. He was there uh, in the early 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then helped refound that same school here in Miami in the 70s, mm. and now continues in their tradition today. And then my grandfather was an educator who had his own school also in, in Havana, Cuba, uh, educated close to 4,000 students within his school. And he wrote two math books, actually, that uh, are used in, in almost every Latin American country today. Wow. It's, it's actually quite uh, rare for me to travel in Latin America and not get asked about whether the gentleman who wrote the math books that they studied with if that's if I'm related to that person, and I proudly say yes, uh, he's my grandfather. So wow. that's 
I'm quite blessed to be uh, in, a, in an education family. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say that also is because in, in Cuba and growing up in Cuba, from what I learned from my, my grandparents and my parents, they, they were asked or they were forced really to leave their country in the hopes of returning one day mm-hmm. for political reasons, right? They disagreed with, with, the, with what Castro, Fidel Castro represented. But upon leaving the country, they left everything behind. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine leaving your home, hoping to return one day but never returning and having to start over in a completely new country in a, uh, w- with a completely new language. And the one thing that I was taught very early on in my life was mm-hmm. that education is something that can never be taken away from you. Yeah. You can lose your freedom. You can lose your home. You can lose your assets. You can lose everything, but you can't lose what's been taught to you. So mm-hmm. education is at the core of what I'm all about. And I'm blessed to be born in, in an education family. Amazing. So I think that's one thing that's just for me, right? That yeah. being educated in, uh, in in life, number one. Yeah. I think number two, I, I grew up in a household with where my grandparents lived in the same house as me. Yeah. And in that household, I learned to listen a lot. Oh. You know, you're 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 living in a home with a lot of wisdom, mm-hmm. and coming home from school every day, just listening to my grandfather tell stories, talk a little bit about his life and about the things that influence us, really shaped who I am today to be more. Of a, of a listener, because we're, we're surrounded by people, I think, every day that like to like to give their opinion. And that's wonderful. Giving an opinion and speaking is very, very important. And in fact, in my business, um, we get paid to, to give very strong opinions. Mm-hmm. But I think the art of listening has been lost to a degree. And I think early on in my life, I learned to listen and listen um, with a keen ear and then espouse or then share an opinion once you've, you've gathered enough information. So I think that's also an uh, a moment or, or uh, in my life that uh, kind of shaped me. So to live in a household with, with my grandparents and to clearly listen. Yeah. I think the third thing that really influenced me in my, in my career was in college. In college, I wanted to be, once upon graduation, I wanted to be in consulting my entire career, my really? entire life. I, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, to serve others, right? Yeah. It's, this, it's this notion of service to others. Yeah. And I applied to Anderson Consulting and unfortunately was rejected. I, I did not get the, get the, the offer. Wow. And I kept that letter for, for years and years until I was hired by Accenture later on and, yeah. and still have that letter, which is something. So that's something that kind of shaped me a little bit to be able to realize a lifelong dream to work for a, a consulting company. Wow. Another moment that shaped my life, Donna, was I was working for a large pharmaceutical company in New York City. And I had a colleague, unfortunately, that passed away mm-hmm. in, a, in a skydiving accident. And she was a mentor to me. She was mm. somebody I looked up to. And, and how fragile life is. Yeah. And how important it is to live your life, to, to do the best you can in everything you do, but to live it to the fullest. And she died very young. But it's something that's always stuck with me. And her zest for life and the way that she approached business uh-huh. and personal was something that always kind of stuck with me and it's and it's something I, I still carry today. Wow. And I'd say the last thing was when I first got hired by Accenture, I can tell you I had been working for myself for a number of years. I I had sold off my piece of the business. I'd been out of work for for about uh, six or seven or eight months with two small children. Uh-huh. And and to be hungry. Oh. To really to to really know that I've got to provide for a family or help provide for a family. And to, you know, work hard and earn for everything that you have. I was grateful for that, for that job offer and finally get the acceptance that, that I had, mm-hmm. 
denied years before. Mm-hmm. And I've made every I've made every moment count in my current career. Wow. So I'd say those are some top uh, moments in my life, I'd say. This is amazing. And I've known you for an extremely long time. And there are many, many things that you're sharing that I was not aware of in your history. So I really appreciate you uh, sharing it with the, with the listeners and with me. So when I think about your daughters, who I called kids, but they're actually young women now, right? Yeah, um, yes, they are. 19 and 17. 19 and 17. What about this past and these lessons are you hoping that you have role modeled for them? First and foremost, I've tried to educate them in the same way that I've been educated with faith first. Mm -hmm. I I grew up studying in Jesuit schools, Jesuit high school, Jesuit college. And it's important to have that grounding from a faith perspective that I I think can help you in the most difficult times, whether they're Mm -hmm. personal or professional. You know, faith can really be something to lean back on and 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 serve as a as a rock for uh-huh. you. So so they they've been grounded in, in faith. Number one, number two. I, I think to compartmentalize their ego to a degree. Oh. Don't let ego overtake um, who you are as an individual. Uh-huh. But rather, and and this is true again for professional and personal. I'd say um, ego is important. I think it's you know and and having goals and making sure that you achieve those goals and be and feeling good about oneself. Uh, oneself is important, but don't let it become everything, uh-huh. at least for me. And that's what I try to share with my daughters, because then it changes who you might be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not something that, um, that I, want, I want for them. And I think the third thing is to work hard. You know, this notion of having come to a country, my, I, I think of my grandfather who came to this country at age 60, mm. to start all over again. Wow. Is, is I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm looking to maybe retire at age 60. Uh-huh. For my grandfather, for one of my grandfathers to come here at sixty and to start over again to provide for his family, is this notion of you can always reinvent yourself. Yeah, always reinvent yourself. Number one. Yeah, and number two, to always work hard for the things that are important for you and for your family, and that's another thing that I tried to instill in them. Wow. So hopefully, hopefully those things have stuck. I I, <laughs> I, I think they have, but yeah. um, and it's and it's what I try to live by as well. Yeah. Yes, I love it. So you've given a couple of examples of how things in your in your family and your faith you bring to the way that you work as a senior leader and professional in the business world. Are there things that you have learned at work that you bring back into the way you lead and live with your family? Absolutely. I think number one, and this is from a colleague I think you and I both worked with, trust. Mm. Building trust is so important. What I gathered over time, and, and certainly from my mentor or mentors, is that trust is something that has to be earned and easily lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's something you have to constantly build, nurture uh, over time. And in, and, in, and in business, it's so important to build that trust and build that relationship with people. So um, that's something that I brought into from my work life into my personal life to build trusting relationships um, across the board. I, th- I think the other thing is, um, and I this is bi-directional, I would say, what I mentioned earlier around listening and listening with empathy. I think, you know, we're so quick to kind of render an opinion and be the first to speak. Uh, I think in my business life, I've learned to actually listen first uh, and then, and, and then, um, and listen with empathy. I mean, what I mean by that is put yourself in their shoes, yeah. understand where they're coming from, try to be the person who drive, who's not trying to be self-serving but rather to serve them. And it's, it's something that's so important. And, and that will win, that will win 
trust. It'll win relationship. It'll win work. It'll win business if you do that in the right way. And the other one, I I think I'd say, and I've been complimented for this in the past, is uh, I'm not I'm not too salesy. In in the Uh business that I'm in, uh, there's a lot of people that are trying to constantly sell and sell and and really are looking to hit a number versus actually trying to solve the problem or trying to be the right person or partner for them. I don't like to be too salesy. And I think that's served me well, both yeah. in uh, professional and in, and in personal life. Yeah. I love this example. Do you mind if we geek out a moment on the trust formula? Let's do it. Okay. So for listeners, if you are driving or uh, jogging, this will be in the show notes, uh, but we'll paint a little picture for you. It's a ratio with a numerator and a denominator. The numerator has three variables of credibility, reliability, and intimacy. And the denominator is self-orientation, meaning to what degree are you the center of the universe? And like any ratio, the bigger the denominator, the lower the trust. So what, Dan, you just said about you've been complimented before that you are not too salesy and you, you mentioned have empathy and put yourself in the shoes of the other person. What you just described is you have a healthy level of self-orientation that you are thinking of others. Therefore, the denominator is smaller. Therefore, you're building higher trust. So in your work world and in your personal world, are there any of those trust formula variables that you find come easiest to you and other ones you work on a little bit more than others? I think the one I work on more than others is maybe the intimacy part, especially during okay. during this pandemic. It's so hard to build intimacy when you're doing it through Zoom or yeah. or Teams or some other form or f- format and where you're having to do it through video. Mm-hmm. But what I try to do is I try to use other social tools like like LinkedIn and others to make sure I understand what they're, what my clients are actually posting about, what actually matters to them. Uh-huh. I try to understand uh, from an intimacy perspective, how do they spend their free time? Mm. And I always use time when I have with them. If it's a half an hour, or, or if I'm if I'm lucky enough to get more than a half an hour, an hour or so of their time, I, I try to try to specialize and, and keep maybe five or ten minutes of that conversation, either at the beginning or end, to bring more of a personal nature, nature to the conversation. Yeah, because if it's if you jump right into the into the nuts and bolts of things, it's just not it's it's just not authentic. And you want to try to connect with people um, on an off in an authentic way. So intimacy is something I always work on. Mm-hmm. Credibility, um, my company helps me with the credibility piece, right? Mm. To keep me up to date on the very latest of business solutions. Yeah. And the other one, Donna, what was the last one? Reliability. Oh boy, this is important to me. And I think I, I like to I like to say I think I'm good at this because I I pride myself on being extraordinarily reliable. Yes. You need me, I'm there. You are. Uh, and and it's not just you know, between nine and five, mm-hmm. okay? Because because the big problems, the, the, the tough situations are never between nine and five. Yeah. So I want to embarrass you a little bit. On the credibility dimension, the other thing I think that you excel at is your confidence in saying, I don't know the answer. Yeah, that's And true. I think that that helps build an enormous amount of trust with people in our lives when you're not trying to wing it and, and you admit when you don't know something, but you're going to help be part of the solution and figure it out. Yeah. On the intimacy side, I think you're differentiated because I remember one time having a meeting with you. We were getting together to review status of some project, right? It was the most important thing in our work lives at the moment. And at the end, you stopped and you said, but how are you doing? 
And my, my mind went to this place of, you know, I'm busy. I got to get something done. And I remember thinking, oh, I think he really wants to know the answer to that question. <laughs> I think he really wants to know. And, and, I, and I, for the longest time, was not comfortable with that in the workplace. You, you, you get together Monday morning and you ask, how was your weekend? I was always the fine thank you and move on. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think when you ask, you mean it. You're really trying to see the whole person. So I've, I've always appreciated that about you. Yeah. Yeah. I think to your first point, I think it's important to always ask for help. Yeah. Uh, you hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. And people know if you're not being genuine or if you're trying to make up, <laughs> make up an answer. So yeah. you become much more credible if you just simply say, I'm not sure. Yeah but I've got a team of people that can help me get to the answer for this right. of this for you. And I think people that, that's refreshing in some cases because people want to know that they can trust you to tell the truth, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. And then the second one, I always see the person first and not the work. Mm. And that's probably that that's probably going back to what I mentioned earlier. Unfortunately, that, that mentor of mine that passed away, mm-hmm. that taught me to, to savor life and savor the individual in terms of who they are as an, as a, as a person, um, because work will always be there. So let's yeah. start off with, Hey, how's it going? Hey, yeah. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get to the work just right after that. But let's, let's make sure everybody is, uh, is, is, is well. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. I do want to tell a funny story about loyalty. Uh, and it involves you in a beautiful suit and a gorgeous pressed dress shirt on your belly underneath a car changing a tire. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was exactly a, right. it was 102 degrees if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of yeah. July or August. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tell that story of loyalty. Well, the, que- <laughs> the 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 question of how many consultants does it take to change a tire? <laughs> I think I know the answer to that. <laughs> and it's 6. 6. Um yeah, 6. <laughs> it's one changing it. Okay. And the other five telling you how to do it, <laughs> nice. which is amazing. Um, but in that, in that scenario, yeah. Talk about getting dirty. Uh, everything, uh, that press suit, that beautiful white shirt, um, doesn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It was a good teaming exercise. Let's put it that way. We, we all laughed about it afterwards. Sure. Afterwards. Yes. And my critical role was filming you changing the tire on your belly in a parking deck. Yeah, yeah. Which which became then a video, which was then launched to the entire team of over, uh, I want to say, close to maybe a thousand people. Um, so we'll see. I, I I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of funny emails after that. Yes, that's loyalty right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Dan, I have a me sweet episode around personal branding, and I define personal brand as what people think and feel when they hear your name. And you are quite famous in your business professional community. When people hear Dan Baldor, they think, oh my gosh, he is such a nice guy. And I would love it if you would share with the listeners what that has meant for your personal brand and how you have worked through that as a professional and a leader progressing in your career. It's flattering to be known as someone who's a good person mm-hmm. who thinks about others. And, and uh, this goes back to what I was mentioning earlier in the podcast around my Jesuit education, which uh, one of the mottos of, of Jesuit education is men and women for others. Mm-hmm. And so being and living that is, is always a, um, 
it's a compliment to know that I lived my life that way and that others recognize it. But the notion of being a nice person is not something that I actually, uh, from a brand perspective, actually like. In fact, I've worked very hard over the last um, few years of my career to shed and and why because mm. nice people can be taken advantage of. Oh, and I don't fancy myself as someone who's can be quote unquote taken advantage of. I do prefer to have the the brand of being the fair guy or uh, the the extraordinarily trustworthy guy. Yeah. And all the numerator and, and denominators that we that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But the nice person is not something that will, I think honestly, and at least in my career, will get you very far. Mm. So I've been I've worked hard to actually shed it. And I think I've done it. But at the end, you know, you still can't stop being who you are. Yeah. And and I'd like to I like to think that I am a, a nice and good person. Yes. You are a nice and good person. So when you do give tough feedback, yeah. it is, I think, more credible because if Dan felt that way, Dan means it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I and actually when it comes to feedback, I've I've learned over time Mm -hmm. that being completely forthright in your feedback, no matter how hard the message is the best way to do it. Yeah. To candy coat any message is a disservice to the person that you're giving Mm. the feedback to. Yeah. So therefore being nice, especially in that situation, doesn't, doesn't really help anybody. Yeah. So Dan, I know that you have been a supporter and champion of the me suite is there anything about living with a me sweet mindset that we haven't talked about that you would want to leave with listeners? Something that they should be thinking about doing differently on Monday? Something aspirational but practical? The art of listening. Mm-hmm. On Monday, rather than being the first person to say something, yeah, listen. Just, just listen to what your colleagues are saying, to what your client might be saying, to really understand them at a fundamental level and what they're trying to com- communicate and convey would be the first piece of advice I think I'd give our, our, our listeners here. And, and the second one is to do it with empathy. Mm-hmm. In other words, do it in a, and, and provide your feedback or your, your advice or, or how you conduct yourself. Put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. before engaging. Because if you do that properly, mm-hmm. you'll win them over every single time. Because you'll have an individual on the other side of the table that will say, he gets me or Mm. she gets me. You know, they understand and really listen to what I had to say. And you'll win them as a a colleague, you'll win them as a client. And I think you'll be more successful because of it. Yeah. Well, I've been very fortunate to have my path intersect with yours. And I've really enjoyed listening to you on the Me Suite. I hope I've done a good job as a listener. And I really appreciate you joining us. This is Dan Baldor, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much, Donna. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. For executive and career coaching services, contact me, Donna Peters, at themesuite.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. The website is the dash me-suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us continue to shine a mic on more amazing people.